Um, my name is Dana, and I'm a marijuana addict. I was born in 1975, the year Vietnam ended, and I take all the credit for it. Um, Richard Nixon made one good decision, didn't he? Um, I feel like marijuana was a big part of the ending of Vietnam for me. <laughs> um, so I um, went to um, high school, and... Um, I ended up uh, um, teaching all my friends how to smoke weed, and um, we were hard partiers on the weekend, Um, and again, I was focused on basically like partying and girls, and I was not a good student. I said I was doing my best. I really in, genuinely intended to do well. And um, I participated in sports and whatever. I was just, like, doing my best. But I just wanted to escape all the time. And I guess the significance of that is, like, wanting to escape from reality is really the challenge of um, growing emotionally. Um, so I feel like I went, I was on and off with using weed and drinking and stuff through the next few years. And, um, well, I shouldn't say the next few years because I definitely partied hard in college. And after college, I, um, went to a illustrious year and a half career as a bartender. And, but I was like, not mature, um, Socially, I was awkward. Um, at least I felt it. I don't think I looked it, but I was very awkward inside. Um, and, um, like, I met my first girlfriend at the age of 26. Um, I had hooked up with girls in the past, but I was kind of like, I couldn't handle hooking up with them more than once. <clears throat> um, so I found this real nice, sweet person, and that was close to me, and it was cool. And we were together for, like, six months. Well, this is after I graduated from college, so um, I then went on to become a teacher of English in Japan, uh, and I lived there for three years. I um, I lived in the red light district of my town in the little countryside in Japan with the highest alcoholism rate called Akita, and um, they had really good booze there, and I used it. Um, I didn't smoke pot for three years because I was afraid I would get, like, thrown in jail for life or something if I did. But, like, mushrooms were legal there at the time. Like, you can get them from a vending machine. But, again, I was just, like, I could only do mushrooms when I was feeling really, really good. And when you're in a foreign country and you're working there, it's a little bit of pressure. So I only did them a couple times. And I didn't always like it. Um, But I drank a lot, which meant I was always kind of hungover. Um... I um I decided that I was just going to, like, go to college and then explore the world. Because, like, my dad wanted me to be something, but I just couldn't be like him um, because he was middle-class angst guy. Like, I could not deal with the vinyl siding. I didn't aspire to vinyl siding. It was, like, not a sign of success to me. It was, like, a sign of failure. And he thought the opposite. 
So um, I wanted to travel, and I did. I traveled on Asia, and I was um, a little bit aimless, um, but it was valuable education for me. Like I saw places that I can tell you about that maybe make me look smart. Um, I learned Japanese when I was there because I had a lot of free time to study, and I wanted to communicate with people. I had my second girlfriend there. So it was kind of cool. I mean, I got something out of it. I came back to America and I worked in a couple of Japanese companies. Um, I wound up in New York City uh, working for a trade company. I would host these guys coming in from Japan. We'd go out drinking. Um, but, like, I was selling textiles. and Like, everything was dying off. It was going to China. Um, in two years, I was able to make one sale. It was a massive sale, but it was, like, hard to find any sales anymore. So I quit. And... Um, the city kindly gave me an opportunity to be a teacher there. So I took them up on the offer, and they gave me – I didn't give it to me. I worked for a, a master's degree in education. And I reluctantly went back into teaching. I knew it was all kind of, like, reluctant because I was, like – I don't know. I was just too, like, I don't know. Just, you know when somebody gives you something, you don't appreciate it. So I was, like, so easy to get a job as a teacher because like America doesn't respect their teachers and I did respect them but I wanted to do other things just because I could have that middle class angst you know I had the voice of my dad in my head um, who I by the way do love and respect um, but um, so I um, I ended up bouncing around a bit more. I, I got my first job teaching in Bedford-Stuyvesant, which I was, thought was kind of cool, where Do the Right Thing was filmed. It was like District 81, murder capital of New York. And I literally got fired. Uh, after two and a half years, I was like a teacher for them, and like they maybe an art teacher and all this stuff. And then like I told them, and this is, this, this is kind of when I started to realize there's a problem with weed, because uh, I knew politically how the game worked, and I was so stoned all the time that I didn't play the game. And so I told them I was going to leave the school before I was tenured, and they were like, oh, that's going to make us look bad. And they were they found a way to write me up, and I was gone. And I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. And I like made that place a better place, but I'm a freaking idiot. Of course, I didn't blame it on weed. I just thought I was stupid, and I didn't really think twice about it. Got a job in a charter school in Boston. They didn't check my references, I guess. I don't think charter schools can do whatever they want. Um, Worked there for a couple of years. Uh, the woman I was with, then um, she and I decided to go to Florida. Um, I worked at another charter school. I know for sure they didn't check my references. And it's like I worked in three, four schools at this point in time, and I like I was like burning bridges because I was more than a stoner. I was like a little bit of a narcissist immature, emotionally insecure, and unable to hold healthy relationships and empathize, pause, a lot of lack of pausing, a lot of lack of filtration. Um, but, you know, like, I finally get to, to a point where I knew that I was sort of out of control and... Um, decided that, you know, it wasn't anything but the job. I needed to try something new. <laughs> um, so 
I ended up coming back up to North Carolina where I am now. And um, my, uh, my dad was needing, uh, well, he just got diagnosed with cancer. And so he's going to need a caretaker. And um, so I was happy to do that for him, but I was not going to go hang out with him because I hate my dad. Um, so I was going to wait until he needed a caretaker. So I found some girlfriend in North Carolina and we hung out and I just ended up, I don't know how I was making money. I can't remember. I was working as like a test grader online and I hated it. Like I hated all my jobs. I think I got fired from that too <laughs> because I was like too lame to get Wi-Fi or something. And then my dad needed me and I was like, oh yeah, I, I'm going to have to be stoned to hang out with this old man. And um, got him through his treatments and he finally died um and god rest him um and i was just blown away because he was the whole everything you know uh, he was the alpha he was the first man and i was beta and uh i was left in an empty house on credit cards and i just got high for a year and i don't remember anything about that year it was like sleeping and smoking and going through his taxes from 1969 and like feeling guilty every time I threw his shoes out. Um, my sister down here in Carolina, which is why I had come here before, was like, uh, "Well, I can. I think you can probably get a job doing this." And I ended up working in an autism home as like a supervisor. Problem is, I was fucking high all the time. Uh, guess what happened? Yeah, I got fired again. Um, but it wasn't bad news because my oldest sister who was my primary nurturer had just decided that she's um well what has happened was she's fallen into a pretty bad alcoholic situation so she um went into a 90-day rehab and she got out and she was living in what became my house up in cleveland and uh she needed to get away from her husband because enabling you know and um so she moved in there and then like Immediately, like, she got diagnosed with, like, serious, serious uterine cancer and had, like, a full hysterectomy. And I went up there, and I got fired. I was like, fucking who cares? I went out fired, and I went up, and I, like, I was like, I'm going to hang out with my sister. She's sober. I can deal with her now. And I don't care if she's got a, a uterus. It's cool. Um, so we smoked a lot of pot. She was my party girl. Um, she was my, my primary love. Um, she was my first love. Um And um, 10 years later, or 10 months later, she died. Um, I actually had to um, give her morphine. And um, uh, it was just like so guilty feeling because she overdosed. Um, and I was obviously fucking high. And, um, you know, it's hard to say if there's a blame. I mean, I obviously feel guilty, but like, it's just like too much to process the poignancy of it. Um, her kids are still a little bit pissed at me, to say the least. Um, so after she died, it was like, I was in this another relationship now back in North Carolina with a woman who was a pothead, and I was just like unable to function again. I got a job and I got a job in construction. Guess what happened to that job? Yeah. So this is these are not bad people that I was dating, but they were not sober. And um, when I lost that second job, I knew that like I didn't 
need to spiral anymore because like I have health. I'm we got a lot going for me. I got like a million dollars worth of education. Um if I get fired from another fucking rinky dink job, then like I I just I'm not gonna ever get fired again. Uh so I went over to that woman's house and like confirmed our breakup and she was excited for us to break up. <laughs> so I had to break my own heart obviously. Um and then I went in and got a sponsor at MA um on Zoom. And um uh North Carolina's got a pretty solid base of people, so I guess like higher power deal. Um you know, a lot of luck in my life. Just the fact that we're born is like a one in four trillion chance or something. So I guess like a higher power for each of us, right? Um, but uh, yeah. So like, it was great being sober and fucking all this shit from the past, feeling back at you, grieving for the first time sober, uh, believing that you're like kind of a failure. Your dad's up. Stream salmon refugee swim. <laughs> I was like fucking suicidal, like two, three months into sobriety. Um, this March, I could not sleep. I actually tried another construction job, and I was just like had a nervous breakdown. Um, I was like, oh my god, like I, I understand, like I want to die, but actually, like having to develop a significant vision of it means I'm going to go check myself in and get some help. So I did. And um, they discovered that it was a bad case of needing to sleep, (laughs) which is fucking awesome. Um, Because I was afraid it was like bipolar or something that was going to be really, really difficult. Um, But it was like, well, let's see. Uh, You have all the situation going on of job loss, loss of a relationship, grieving. So, like, you're supposed to be, like, upset. But, like, you got to sleep. So that's cool. And um, I um since then I've kind of stabilized. Um, and I've kind of put it to the test, you know. Like, I'm just, like, I didn't get sober to uh, just not have any fun, you know. Uh, I can't, I got sober to uh, not have any fun and uh, have a future. So um, I um, I work at Lowe's now, which is kind of cool because it's like they, I don't know, they've been giving me banker hours and I don't um, stress it. And I kind of like the people I work with because I like really respect the people that like, are able to kind of like function in any way. And I don't know. It's cool. Um, I um, definitely have my dad's voice in my head sometimes, though, and I feel like fucking death uh, when I go to work. But, like, I meet so many cool people, customers, and, like, I like my, I don't know. It's like, so I was like, all right, so I got to do something about my future. I'm not going to make a future selling paint. Um, So I, um. I've been taking, I took a couple uh, certification classes and um, I'm going to try to do like a project manager type of role because I was a teacher and it's basically the same skill set. I just need to get into an industry that makes money. 
Uh, I finished that a few weeks ago. I kind of totally isolated for two months to study, and it was like a beautiful, like, drug-induced silence of just, like, me studying and then, like, listening to Eckhart Tolle um, and going to Lowe's. Um, and I passed with flying colors, and I met some lady who said she had to take... I mean, it's just like, if you're sober and you're, like, kind of, like, a little bit, like, open to meeting people, like, opportunities come. So I, I, I've already met people that, you know, tell me good things, so. Um, I think, I'd, say, I'd say the hardest thing for me uh, about um, this, this sobriety period, um, well, first of all, like, sobriety is my term. You know, like, when I say sober, it's from weed. I've drank since then, <clears throat> um, not like I used to. Um, I probably put a buzz on like three times, um, and I'm basically trying to abstain, but it's hard, and I just don't feel like going to another 12-step group. I'm, I'm pretty good with what's going on for now, so if you've got any comments or advice, please see the moderator. Um, yeah, so like, um, but the hardest thing for me like now in the last seven months, six or seven months, eight months is like, first of all, I broke up with this chick I thought was so hot. I didn't really like her, but I was like, she kind of provided a cushion for me against all like the kind of background of grieving, which if you analyze it is really just an act of codependence and like transferring from my oldest sister who was my, my savior. Um, and that's kind of what I started doing once I got girlfriends is they were like my higher power, and, um, which is stupid. It's like a way to destroy the relationship. Um, and so, yeah, being lonely uh, the past eight months, because I'm not used to it, um, has fucking sucked, man. Like, but I know that we, like, to quote my always joyous father, we're born alone and we die alone. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's true, and I appreciate the truth. Um, but somehow Buddhism says it nicer. Um, like, the deaths of my family members I can handle, you know. It's just when I want to die before I'm supposed to die is what I don't want. And um, I know that that's some some kind of bullshitty survival instinct or whatever we have from evolution that I need to work on. But I have a lot of hope now that I'm sober and I've been able to make some, do some things that I'm proud of. Uh, just like kind of like um, knowing that I would never have been able to study for two months straight had I been smoking weed uh, and kind of do well and then like make a lot of friends outside of like my usually kind of want me and like one person is my life. Like, I just kind of isolate myself to one person. That's how I grew up. My oldest sister was kind of protected me. And then it's like, it's like me and a woman, me and a woman. It's like, I need to be by myself. So my goals here are my sobriety in the future and probably have to work on for the rest of my life is like not only just being sober, as I call it, um, but like learning to love myself. Um, and then um, the secondarily is to like move forward with a career or I can kind of <clears throat> have enough money to buy a house with vinyl siding. Um, I was thinking about like pink, um, maybe with like teal shutters or something. I don't know. Plastic shutters. 
Um, but yeah, I need to be responsible financially for my future, and I don't really have an excuse for not being, other than like I want to get high, which I can no longer use as an excuse. So I'm like kind of relegated to being responsible and working on my emotional maturity. And then it'd be neat down the line to be able to be like, I love myself and I'm confident in myself enough to actually have a healthy relationship that was going to like not self-destruct. Um, and so I just want to say that the programs like kind of saved my life. Um, I mean, it's, it's been like, like fairies and ponies. I mean, it's just been like yellow brick road and not just kidding. I was fucking suicidal uh, after I got sober. Um, but like, you know, like to be or not to be, that is the question, which is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, to take arms against a sea of trouble and in doing so to end them. And so I've decided that the way I feel about suicide and suicidal ideation and existential angst and middle-class materialism is normal. Like I just like all modern philosophy has to answer that question first says Albert Camus and Shakespeare and Siddhartha from 2,500 years ago, who was essentially a leisure clad man like me. Uh, why do I exist? You know, Man's Search for Me. Victor Frankl's a great book if you guys want to read it. It's super easy to. Victor Frankl, these Central European psychiatrists, psychologists, or Freud, Young, Frankl. Um, we're all here together, though. We all have the same feelings. The universality of Shakespeare and Hamlet and to be or not to be is what makes it so great. It's not that it's a, a unique speech. It's that we all experience extreme loneliness when we're in certain circumstances. And Hamlet was certainly facing family crisis. Um, I have hope that I will be able to achieve a better uh, future and achieve peace. I'm not expecting happiness and joy and ponies, but if it does happen, I'm cool with that too. I appreciate you all. And I'm going to let you go now.